This podcast is an examination of the historical research of William Branham and his message cult following. William Branham was a minister in the gambling town of Jeffersonville, Indiana, just across the river from Louisville, Kentucky, as early as 1933. He came in contact with the Reverend Roy E. Davis, an official spokesperson for the 1915 Ku Klux Klan, and later Imperial Grand Dragon of the Ku Klux Klan. Davis introduced Branham to the Pentecostal faith and the art of faith healing, which would later be introduced into Branham's stage persona as he took his place among the evangelists in the post-World War II healing revival. Branham is credited by some as being a catalyst for the Latter Rain Movement and Jim Jones of People's Temple. This podcast is not sympathetic to the views of the Ku Klux Klan that William Branham held, but it is disturbing and warrants research. This podcast is an examination of that research. You can find more about this research and other topics on the website william-branham.org. Join us as we turn back the pages of time and examine the controversial issues of William Branham and his message. In 1907, a man by the name of William Marion Branham was born, or 1908 or 1909, depending on which of the three versions of his own life story that you believe. Born in a small town in Kentucky, the family was quickly whisked away to New Albany, a city that was near Jeffersonville, Indiana, which would grow quickly in infamy. Casinos, betting parlors, nightclubs, and even a dog track were present, giving the town of Jeffersonville the nickname Little Las Vegas. And the likes of Al Capone and John Dillinger would be seen visiting the gambling town and the neighboring cities. The neighboring city, Clarksville, Indiana, was nicknamed Little Chicago, though only one little small casino was established. During this time, Branham claimed to have run horse races and is said to have worked directly for Between the gambling arenas and the horse races, William Branham met a man who would later go by the alias of Pat Tyler. Tyler, described by William Branham on tape as a converted gangster, an outlaw, a gunman, or even a killer, would follow William Branham around for the latter part of his ministry. And William Branham would his identity by claiming he was either from Arkansas or New York or some other state. And Tyler was often mentioned in the service sitting next to Gene Goad, one of the tape boys. Though he would later tell his father wanted for murder, if you search the newspapers in the surrounding states, you'll find that a man by the name of 
and his mother Ella were doing whiskey runs during Prohibition, and it would seem that Louisville's ties to alcohol may have During his younger years, Branham would meet Roy E. Davis, a minister that ordained William Branham's own ministry and came to Jeffersonville to establish the White Knights of the Ku Klux Klan, just as he did in Texas. He both had the same doctrinal teaching. Davis was called to a Senate hearing on the White Knights during which he said chaos of the flood of 1937. Many deviant people involved with the mob saw a great opportunity. William Branham and she and William Branham's daughter died because Branham could never remember the story that he invented. He got the name of the nurse who he claimed to be a longtime friend of the family, the name of the nurse who stood at the bedside of his wife laying there dying, who he claimed to know for years and years and years, got her name wrong on multiple occasions. Prohibition was extremely profitable for organized crime. They had a product to sell, and everybody wanted to buy it. Many would buy, but think of it, few would sell. The problem is that after Prohibition, profits tanked. The only way to remain profitable was to... And these religious organizations channeled the funds to other growing countries. But many caught on to the scheme. Two homosexuals, Gene Goad and Leo Mercer, found out with prayer cards. And Branham said that they had set up their own little FBI agency. So they quickly became part of the growing profit train that would later become known as spoken word recordings and then voice of God recordings. Branham mentions that he had a little button that would pause recording during his sermons. But for the ones that he missed, Gene Goat and Leo, there was only one problem. Gene and Leo were held on to the originals. The two had information that if made public, this is annoying, isn't it? <laughs> I'm sure that each one of you would love to know what is behind those blank spot on tape ads. <laughs> Even if you're still in the cult, I'm sure you wish you knew what was behind those. Why? Because the elements of the sentence structure are required to make the full meaning of these sentences that have been taken out. If you were to take this one simple paragraph, I'm going to take, I'm going to take a simple paragraph. My wife and I took our kids to the park. We had a great time, and the kids really enjoyed playing on the slide and the swings.
Ah, but our two-year-old loves to be mischievous. He started throwing rocks at the cars passing by, and I looked at my wife and I said, he's going to kill someone. Now, if I were to take that same paragraph, and if I were to edit out part of the sentence, to say something like this, my wife and I, blank spot on tape, at cars passing by, blank spot on tape, gonna kill someone, I had to stop him. <laughs> this fun-loving story of a family's day at the park, no pun intended, completely changes this to seem evil and dangerous. Why? Because the sentence structure has been completely modified. Some of you might blame the edited snips of the recordings of William Branham on these two homosexual tape boys, but remember, Branham said that he himself could push a button and pause the recording. What he said in person is not what the poor followers have spent their hard-earned cash to purchase. The funny part is, <laughs> in 1963, somebody replaced that little button with a light switch, and it really messed him up. He had to put an operation in place so that he could still stop the recording. He says in 1963, now I just wanted to say that, and I thought this little thing here controlled those tapes, but it doesn't. And this is a desk light. <laughs> it kills me, man. And I thought the tape controller that used to be here. <laughs> Can you imagine the first thing he said that he wanted to keep secret? And he flipped it, and a light switch comes on. It kills me. But, he says, but I was told to motion to the brethren in the room there, the recording room, and they would know when to stop the tapes and, or not. So think of this, man. He's sitting there, and he's telling things that he does not want out. And he has to say, hey, stop the tapes over there. How obvious is that? In the climax of the sermon, the seventh seal, it was altered before the final production. And it even describes being altered in the very beginning of the translation. Did William Branham really try to limit the voice of God from his own followers around the country. Think of this, man. This does not make any sense. Not to mention the handwriting on the wall, as he called it, that he claimed to have witnessed was nothing more than a light shining down on the church ages. How convenient is it to have a little switch that turns a light on? How convenient. You turn a light on, the light shines on the church ages. Whoo! The great and mighty Oz has spoken. <laughs> it cracks me up. Then on top of that, you have two homosexual deviants who are in control of the entire rest of the content and who knows what they decided to do with it. Since then, the sermons have been translated in many languages. And teams of people have scraped through these tapes word by word by word at the direct command of his son who knew these things. They want, he says he wanted to get every word the prophet said. And it cracks you up in hindsight because between the 1997 version of the table and the latest release, we have an additional 400 to 500 blank spot on tape dash ed, some of which are the same words that we had before. What was underneath that was so important that 
they could snip out the voice of God speaking, and they still call it the voice of God recordings. I really don't know why William Branham decided to flip a switch and pause the recording, or why Gene and Leo held control of the original tapes, original copies of the recordings, or even why these recordings were modified before the final release. Frankly, since we see in the letter that William Branham sent to Lee Vale that Branham himself was manipulating the content before it hit the books, wouldn't it have been much better to have the full original content intact? All speakers make mistakes, every one of them. Most speakers that take their product all the way to market will keep every revision of the content. Only the mischievous will hide the originals and only keep the final release. But then take it a step further, only the wolves in sheep's clothing will press a pause button on the recorder before it even hits the original. Is this truly the voice of God as they claim? <laughs> the prophet should not shut God's mouth. But we have a prophet who's pushing a button and he's shutting God's mouth. What if Ezekiel stood before the king of Tyre and Ezekiel said, Son of man, say to the ruler of Tyre, this is what sovereign, the sovereign Lord says. In the pride of your heart, you say, I am God, blank spot on tape. But your great skill in trading have increased your wealth, and because your wealth, your heart has grown proud. It's entirely different than what the Bible says. The comparison is astounding, because this sentence makes the king of Tyre seem like an idol which he was. But then so did the snipped-out corrections in William Branham's own recordings. It's very easy for the pastors who have said for all of these years, this is God's word for this day. God carefully made no mistake in preserving this message for us. This is the stored-up food. <laughs> The message was preserved all right, but by two homosexual men who sexually abused those that were trapped in their trapped spiritually in their compound. According to Luke 17, William Branham did not believe the Bible anyway. Otherwise, there would have been no reason to press the silly pause button. For there is nothing hidden that will not be disclosed, and there is nothing concealed that will not be made known or brought out into the open. Luke 8:17. And it is astounding how many similarities that we see between the cult of William Branham and the Corinthians. Maybe this is why Ern Baxter said in an interview that it had turned into Corinthian worship. In 2 Corinthians 4, Paul spoke out against those who pressed the pause button on the recording, or who hire two homosexual guys to go snip out what the speaker missed. Paul is speaking of the light of the gospel. And Paul says this. He says, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart. He says, But we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. 
That sentence is sobering. Paul has renounced those who in his time, had they had a recording, would have pressed the pause button. He says, we refuse to practice cunning. And here's the key. He says, or to tamper with God's word. Now that is the most sobering statement out of the entire chapter. Because what we have in this cult following are men who claim it's God's word when it is not, and yet they also tamper with it. But Paul's ministry is different. He says, we renounce those who would tamper with God's word. But by the open statement of truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. In other words, absolutely nothing is hidden with Paul. What you see, what you hear, is what you get. There is no hidden recordings by two guys who are snipping out portions of Paul's word. Obviously, during the course of history, the translations have gone through a lot. Maybe some text has been missed or, or time has made it decrepit. But since then, multiple copies of the scrolls have been found and it has been repaired intact. Not the case with what we see of what they're calling the voice of God for this day. So tell me this. If William Branham was really the mouthpiece of God for what you call this age, why did he tamper with God's word? It, why did he get two homosexual guys to tamper with God's word? Is a pause button really necessary for this multi-million dollar recording industry to make it an open statement of truth? Paul says he has professed with an open statement of truth. And with the many lies that we have now uncovered, instead, with William Branham's ministry, we see a closed and hidden statement of deceit. Yet he claimed to have the same ministry as Paul. Paul goes on, he says, even if our gospel is veiled, even if, he said it is only veiled to those who are perishing. In other words, when I write this letter and I send it to this group, I'm not going to press a pause button so that this group only hears it and this other group, well, they lived in another state. <laughs> it blows your mind. Paul did not do this. He says, for God who said, let the light shine out of the darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light and knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. All things are known. If you've got a pause button and you press it, even though the followers in another state will never hear the words that you said, God hears it. All things are made known. We are shining lights in the presence of the face of Jesus Christ. So if we're pressing a pause button, he knows what we're saying. It's only those who do not care what Jesus Christ thinks that would even press the pause button in the first place. Paul had the light of Christ shining through him, and Paul did not have a pause button. He knew that what he was proclaiming did not come from himself, but it came directly from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
Therefore, every single word that came out of the mouth of the Paul that was from Jesus Christ, Paul wanted to do every single thing that he could do to make sure every single word was preserved. Whose light did William Branham have? You're really faced with two possibilities. Number one, either he had God's light, as many of you still claim, but he decided to cover over portions of that light with his little pause button. He decided that he would become a hindrance to God's word. The only other option you have is that this is some demon's light, and that demon is the one who was controlling what got fed to the people and what did not. So I'm going to leave you with this question. Knowing these things, and search them out for yourselves, you'll find all of this to be true. Knowing these things, which do you think it is? Do you think it's God's word coming through the mouth of William Branham, and William Branham decided that he did not want to let God's word out to the people? Or was this a demon? I'm going to let you decide.